the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today. God never forgets about us. Can we say we never forget about Him? How often do we arise and neglect to say, Thank you, Lord, for another day? Or thank you, Lord, for keeping my family and me safe at the end of the day? He remembers us even when we don't deserve it. Therefore, we must remember the Lord our God every second of every day. As Pastor Rander ministers to us, have your Bible, pen, and paper handy as you will want to take notes. Be so kind enough, turn with us to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 14. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 14 is our text for this morning. We're continuing uh, our theme, and this is our theme passage in Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 14. It says, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. And from this theme passage that we have been preaching all month, we want to speak once again, part three, on remember the Lord our God. Remember the Lord our God. God uh, sent Moses on a mission down into Egypt to tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. And uh, Pharaoh was obstinate and he was stubborn and he refused to and God, God emancipated Israel with miracles, signs and wonders. Crossed them across the Red Sea, led them with a pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. Uh, they ate manna from heaven. Their clothes did not weigh out and neither did their feet swell. Isn't he a good God? And then he brought them over uh, on the brink of the promised land. And uh, he says, once you cross over there and you, you, you live in houses that you didn't build. And you eat of olive uh, groves that you didn't plant. When you drink out of wells you didn't dig. When you live in beautiful cities that you didn't build. God is saying, when I give you all this and when I bless you more than what you deserve, don't forget me. Remember the Lord who brought you from Egypt over into the promised land. And what God said to Israel thousands of years ago is just as good for Maranatha and for the people of God in this brand new year. 
God has brought us from a mighty long ways. How many of you know God is a good God? You're driving in cars that you didn't always ride in. There's a time you didn't have a car. You, you had a bus and you got transfers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's right. There was a time you didn't dress the way you dressed. You couldn't go where you always wanted to go. You couldn't eat at these nice restaurants that you now eat in. And, 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 and you didn't, you, now you, you're full. Your house full. Your closets are full. Your life is full of material things. He says, now that I've blessed you in ways you don't deserve, don't forget where all your blessings come from. Amen. This, this message is entitled, uh, Remember the Lord our God. And God challenges his people through Moses because he knows how prone his people are to forget as well as we who live today. Well, what must we remember? Uh, I'm going to kind of uh, review some of the things that I said last week. And even in that review, you're going to hear things that I didn't say last week because the Lord kept working with me. So you just stay attuned and you're going to hear a whole lot, perhaps a different way. What must we remember uh, this new year as we launch off? Number one, remember from the moment you were saved, there is an inner spiritual war between the flesh and the spirit. Remember from the moment you were saved, there is an inner spiritual war between the flesh and the spirit. And a wonderful, tremendous passage on that is found in Galatians chapter five, verses 16 and 17. It says, but I say, says Paul, walk, live in the spirit and you will not gratify, please the desires of the flesh Uh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit underline against and the, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. See that tension there? Now underline this phrase. For these are opposed to each other. The flesh is against the spirit. The spirit is against the flesh. And, and the scripture says to keep you from doing the things you want to do. In other words, remember from the moment you were saved, there is an inner spiritual war between the flesh and the spirit. And with that being said, before salvation, we were children of Satan. We were blind and in darkness and we were under his his domain, dominion and power. Uh, We were given over to pride before we were saved. In our pre-salvation days, we were carried away with ourselves in selfishness and cheating. We were lying and stealing and and engaging in sexual immorality. Now, all of you didn't do all of these things, but some of these things on this list you did do. Engaged in witchcraft and idolatry and drunkenness and hate and jealousy and racism and selfish ambition and discords and going off crazy on folk and fits of rage. But at salvation, thanks be for God who redeemed us. But at salvation and conversion, we were regenerated and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which initiates the beginning of the inner war between the flesh and the spirit. The day you got saved is the day that war begins within you. The spirit of God against the flesh and the humanists and the, uh, the unredeemed flesh appetites and desires that long to go against what God desires for his children. Let me share this also. Apart from the Holy Spirit's power, no one has the power to control the lust of the flesh. 
You can't control your fleshly desires apart from the Holy Spirit's power. And the only way to conquer the flesh is to yield to the Holy Spirit's power. If we fail to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit and depend on our own strength, our own human strength, our own puny human wisdom, rather than relying on the Holy Spirit's power, we will yield to and gratify the evil desires, inclination, and proclivities of our fleshly appetites, which is our unredeemed humanist that seeks to rebel and be independent of God. I read a passage of profound significance last week, but I want to read it again because it is so critical in living the Christian life so that you can understand why you struggle the way you struggle. And we're going to see this intense struggle even in the life of Paul. So I know you might know it, but don't get so familiar with scripture that you don't want to read it anymore. Look at Romans chapter 7 verses 14 through 25. Romans 7, 14 through 25. And there you'll find these profound words written by Paul. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, soul under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Is that any of y'all? Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Do you see that tension there? Do you see that struggle? Paul was a was a was a stalwart in the faith, a giant in the kingdom of God. And yet he's engaging in an intense inner spiritual battle. And the truth be told, you and I are too. As in the case of Paul, every born again believer will experience an inner intense spiritual war between the flesh and the new redeemed nature of Christ. And the one you feed the most is the one who wins. What determines whether your flesh gets out of control and you lose control of your mouth and your behavior and your lifestyle is predicated on who you're feeding. Are you feeding the new nature, that, uh, that, that, that new inner man that, 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 that wants to grow and glorify God and be all that God intends it to be? Or do you feed the fleshly desires through looking at wrong shows on television or reading wrong books or listening to wrong conversation or going to wrong places you ought not be frequenting and having these secrets that you uh, have latent in your lives? 
The Word of God tells us to pray without ceasing. Prayer is talking to God. We talk to our family, friends, co-workers, acquaintances, and strangers with ease. Yet so often, we don't take the time to talk with God, our source, for everything. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Prayer does and will sustain us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have it within us. We must always tap into it. Like Paul, my friends, every Christian has succumbed to fleshly desires and done the very thing we did not want to do, which is followed by deep regret. How many of you have done, how many of you said, you know what, I'm never going to do this again, and you find yourself doing what you said you wouldn't do? I wouldn't gossip again, but you gossip. I'm, I'm not going to drink another drink, and you're drinking. I'm not going to smoke anymore, and you're smoking. Huh? Huh? I'm not going to mess with porn, and did somebody slip? You ain't slip, you did what you really wanted to do, and you're messing with the stuff. Huh? Huh? And you're and, and, uh, you, you going to drop certain people, and all of a sudden you allowed them to come back in your life. Paul had this struggle, and the truth be told, when we allow these things to come back into our lives, we usually have deep regret, and that's healthy that you have deep regrets over and grieving over the things you said you wouldn't do that you discover that you, you're doing all over again. You ought to feel bad about it. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. If you can sin and the Holy Spirit doesn't bother you, I doubt the validity of your salvation. That's right. I can't sin and then snore in my sleep. That's right. You see, no matter how spiritual you think you are, if you do not allow the Holy Spirit to rule and control your unredeemed flesh, there is nothing too evil for you to do. No matter, no matter how long you've been in the church. Doesn't matter your position in the church. Doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. Have a big two-ton Bible. Does not matter. You know, if you uh, stop walking in the spirit and, and start living by the flesh, there's nothing too low down for you to stoop and do. As a matter of fact, you begin to even do some things you did in your pre-salvation days. And I must say this as, 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 as well. Since Christians will struggle with sin until we depart this life, we must be determined to walk by the spirit and not according to the flesh, which will cause us to yield to our fleshly appetites and the desires of our fallen human nature. You will be struggling inwardly, the flesh against the spirit until the day of your death. Only when we get that glorified brand new body will all of that be done away and the struggle will be over. That's right. That's right. And be, be it known to you today as well, being a Christian does not exempt us from struggles, from weaknesses, and from temptation. Every one of you struggle. You're struggling with something. You're struggling with something your husband don't know about, your wife don't know about, your friend don't know about, your child don't know about. Your children are struggling with some things that the parents don't even know about until after the fact. All of us struggle with something. It may not be the same thing, but we're all struggling with something. All of us have weaknesses. There's none righteous, no, not one. All of us are tempted. I'm tempted. Matter of fact, my temptations are greater than yours because of the tremendous responsibility I have to lead this great church that God has called me to give leadership to. Satan really wants to wipe me out. 
in order to set you back to no degree. And you say, well, if the preacher can't keep it together, what hope have we? You see, so being a Christian does not exempt any of, any of us from struggles and from weaknesses and temptation. Uh, I read Matthew 4 last week, but I'm doing a couple of new scriptures this week. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus was tempted and he had victory over the temptation. And so the Jesus who had victory over temptation is able to help us when we experience our temptations. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we do not have a high priest. Jesus is that great high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You can't say, well, God, you don't understand. God says, stop talking like that. I do understand. I sent my son and my son subjugated himself to his, to his own creation. And he was tempted by the devil. He was tempted by the enemy. He faced fierce temptation, yet he did not succumb to sin. And that's why we can go to Jesus because he understands because he's been right where we are. Be it known to you today, my friends, if there is no inner struggle, then either you are lost or you have become so carnal or backslidden in sin that you no longer hear the voice of God. And you keep on sitting at a level you cannot even imagine. You know, so if you say, well, I don't have a struggle. I, I ain't struggling. Either you're given over to what you're in that you don't even know the war is on and you're lost. Or you backslidden and you're so carnal until you no longer hear the voice of God and your life is so severely out of order. The next thing I'd like to say, dealing with this passage of Romans 7, it's just a powerful passage. Do not allow your inner struggle to become an excuse to remain in perpetual sin. In other words, where is the victory? Well, I'm drinking and I'm an alcoholic and I got tipsy. No, you didn't get tipsy, you got drunk. So you'll not be glorified in that way. You know I'm struggling. Well, you don't just glorify that. And so, I, you, so that's your excuse. Well, you know I'm struggling. That's my weakness. I went back into pornography. You know I'm struggling. And you, can, and you can be a perpetual struggler until you let your struggling be a way of life instead of confronting it head on. Huh? In your, in your struggles, you ought to have victories through Jesus Christ. Huh? Yeah, I slipped. Well, I messed up again. I laid with somebody that I wasn't married to, premarital sex, and you know I'm struggling. I, oh, I gossip again. I lied again. I cheated again. You know I'm struggling, child. I'm struggling. Pray for me, child. Wait a minute. Hold it. Stop glorifying your struggling and start putting your eyes on Jesus who can give you the victory in the struggle. Romans chapter 7 verses 24 through 25 he says, Oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh wretched man that I am. When is the last time you said, oh wretched woman that I am? When is the last time you call yourself a wretch? Is it because you have too high a view of yourself? Because you think you got it all together? Because you think you're so spiritual? The truth be told, you're more wretched than you give yourself credit for. Oh yeah, you, you're a big wretch. That's right, I'm a wretch. 
and I'm still crying out to God. Listen, to win this war, it was in. You have to God help me. In other words, this, this this man Paul was frustrated with himself. He was, he agonized over his condition, and, and and it was an intense struggle because Satan wanted to wipe this man out, and his old peers wanted to kill him. Man, when you tell that lie that you said you weren't gonna say anymore, do you say, "Oh, wretched man or woman that I am"? Huh? When you cheat on your taxes, do you say, "Oh, wretched man that I am"? Huh? When you throw rocks and hide your hand, do you say, oh, wretched man that I am? Huh? 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 When you fail to tithe and give God 10%, do you say, oh, wretched man or woman that I am? When you have all that racism in your heart and you can't stand for it because they're another race, you're sick as you can be. And why don't you say, oh, wretched man that I am? Huh? You got a problem with interracial couples? Uh, if, listen, if, if, if it's a male and female, you ought to be saying praise the Lord and, and get over yourself. I don't care if they come home mixed. I want to make sure they save and they not of the same sex. Huh? Whatever your condition is, you ought to be saying, oh, wretched man that I am. You unteachable, oh, wretched man that I am. Always finding faults and always see the negative, oh, wretched man that I am. A bitterness and unforgiving spirit, oh, wretched man that I am. You always uh, belittling your husband, cutting your wife down, uh, have an attitude of ingratitude, oh, wretched man that I am. I think what's wrong today is that we don't acknowledge, acknowledge our wretched condition as Paul did. Oh, I got something to say. It's no matter how spiritual, no matter how holy you think you are, popular, kind, you think somebody else is. No matter how helpful you think other people are, how dynamic a person is. Absolutely no one is worthy of our worship except Jesus Christ alone. Stop lifting folk up. All of us have sinned and come short. There's none righteous. Don't you make a God out of me. I, I don't want God to move me because you, you, the only way you can see God is for me to go home to be with Jesus. No, 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 no. This church is not built around the centrality of Draper. It is built around the centrality of Jesus Christ. I'm the under shepherd serving the chief shepherd to the glory of God. And my job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And I do this job responsibility with this high calling with fear and trembling. So stop making a big deal out of people. The only one you ought to be making a big deal out of and making much of is Jesus Christ alone, who was virgin born without sin. We all have an inherited, depraved, Adamic sin nature that is traced back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. Where did, where did your inherited sin nature come from? It came from your mom and daddy. When they got together and, 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 you, and you were conceived, you, 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 you inherited their sin nature. We said, where did my mom and daddy get it from? Their parents. And where did they get it from? Their parents and their parents and their parents. All the way back to the first parents, Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, the human race fell. And that's why we need a redeemer to come and save us out of, con- out of our condition of sin. That's right. So stop ma- the person you lifting up and making much of. If truth be told, if you really knew what they were struggling with, you'd say, oh, oh my God. 
they're struggling with that and I thought they were so spiritual huh yeah and they thinking about yeah and they saying that about you and you saying that about them if you really know the, the truth way down inside what people are struggling with. Don't make much of people make much of Christ who did not sin, huh? Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Iniquity is sin. And in sin, my mother conceived me. I was born a sinner. Don't make much of a sinner. Be praying for a sinner that they get saved. And, and, and that, that who say Jesus Christ first John 3 5 says and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin that's why we make much of Christ because he was the only sin one, sinless one to take away and, and save us from our sin sick condition to save us from our sin sick condition Paul was so frustrated exhausted and filled with anguish from his intense inner struggle that he says in Romans 7 24 a oh wretched man that I am let me ask you a question who's in control of your life is it the lust of the flesh or is it the spirit of the living God who's in control the lust of the flesh or is it the Holy Spirit and my friends may I say this unless we're willing to buffet beat and subdue our fleshly appetites and desires, bringing them into subjection, we will be disqualified, experience more defeats, and not experience blessings and victories that could be ours. Do you realize Paul says, I buffet my body, I'm determined to beat my body, my fleshly desires into its place. I'm determined to allow by the Holy Spirit's power, the Holy Spirit and God to increase and I decrease to the point that I get victory and not be disqualified because of misrepresenting God because my flesh got out of control. Do you, do you not know that God can disqualify you from ministry? Do you realize God is still in the firing business? Do you realize God can do infinitely well without you? God is real. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, the indwelling Holy Spirit becomes alive in us. And as indescribably good as that is, the best is yet to come. In heaven, God himself will live among his children. No more problems, no more pain, no more preparing for the worst, because the worst will no longer exist, nor will we remember that it ever did. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn delivered for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.